and I like thinking of it as having a growth mindset as opposed to a fixed mindset. And I have had a fixed mindset in a lot of things. Welcome to episode eight of Changed My Mind with Luke T. Harrington. I'm Luke T. Harrington. I'm an award-winning author, a celebrated humorist, and noted pre-ghost. I will be a ghost at some point. Um, Hashtag life goals. Um, This is going to be our second spooky episode of the podcast for Halloween. Um, What this podcast is, if you don't know, if this is your first time listening, this is a podcast where I interview people who have changed their minds about big things, um, important things, tribal things, you know. Um, The reason for that is because there seems to be a shortage of people in the world who are willing to change their minds. Um, But people do change their minds, and I want to know why. So that's what the podcast is about. Um, This October, I thought we'd do a couple of spooky episodes um, about the nature of the soul and life after death and that sort of thing. Last last time we had on Zach Korthals, who believes that there is no such thing as the soul, or at least not in an incorporeal sense, not in the way a lot of us think about it as, as sort of a ghost Um, that can exist whole and separate from your body. This time around, I had someone who believes almost the exact opposite. Um, Someone who would have doubted the existence of ghosts, but had to confront the possibility that ghosts just might be real um, because his daughter, as he puts it, is a seer. Um... And he really had to kind of uh, wrestle with this question of, you know, is my daughter mentally ill? What is she seeing? Are these things real? Um, And he eventually came down on the side of, I do believe in spooks. Um, (laughs) Hopefully you won't mind me putting putting it that way. Um, This is um, a man named Doug Overmeyer. And this is the actually the first guest I've had on the show that I had no real prior relationship with. Um, aside from just setting up the interview. Um, so, you know, this is kind of a step into the wilderness for my fledgling little podcast. Doug uh, lives in central Illinois, and he works primarily in advertising, I believe. And he um, also runs a website called SearsC.com. Um, now he had to say that name like three or four times before I finally got it. It doesn't work very well in, in, uh, audio. What it is is Sears, S-E-E-R-S, C, S-E-E. It's a complete sentence. What does Sears do? SearsC.com. And what SearsC is, is a, a resource for, um, Christians primarily who are, are seeing ghosts, um, which is a really kind of interesting thing. Um, when, uh, when I first, um, uh, talked to Doug, um, before we started the interview, he, he said, Hey, is this a Christian podcast? And I told him it's not, not a Christian podcast. 
Like, I'm not trying to hide the fact that I'm a Christian, and so far all of my guests have been Christian just because that's what I have access to primarily. Um, but I do aspire eventually to have non-Christians on the show. Um, but anyway, um, we do talk a lot about uh, what a ghost is and what are the Christian approaches to dealing with ghosts. Um, so it does get pretty interesting. Um, I thought it was pretty interesting. I'm going to flip you over and let the interview speak for itself. I'll see you on the other side. Welcome to Changed My Mind with Luke T. Harrington. I'm Luke T. Harrington, and I'm sitting here with Doug Overmeyer. Say hi, Doug. Hello. Doug works in advertising in central Illinois, and he is the head writer behind the website SearsC.com. So that's S-E-E-R-S-S-E-E.com. Um, this is my show where I talk to people who have changed their minds about big things, important things. Um, the reason for that is because I sometimes wonder if anybody ever changes their minds based on the way people talk to each other online and in real life these days. But um, people do change their minds, and we've all seen it, I think. So this is my podcast. It's about 18% research project and 82% therapy for me. Um <laughs> So, yeah, let's get started. This is um, part of my two-part quasi-Halloween series. Um, we're doing doing spooky episodes for October this year, because uh, cause who doesn't love Halloween except my mother-in-law? She really hates it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we're going to talk about the spirit realm. Earlier this month, we had on um, Zach Korthal's we talked a little bit about the, the psychological and philosophical angle of things. Um, I want to talk today with Doug about kind of the more practical uh, experience of the paranormal. Um, what Doug changed his mind about, and Doug will correct me if I'm phrasing this wrong, but my, my understanding, Doug, is that you formerly had what I might call a kind of a thin evangelical understanding of the spirit world where there's no such thing as ghosts. It's all like <laughs> demons. And if you see a ghost, it's a, just a demon playing a trick on you. Is, is that kind of accurate? And now you're more open to the idea of things like ghosts and um, a richer and deeper spirit realm. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, that that's pretty accurate. Okay. <laughs> um. And Doug, uh, Doug changed his mind on this because he has a daughter who is a seer. So I am actually really excited to jump into this conversation and hear this story. Um, so yeah, let's start with you, Doug. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from, what you do? Sure. Well, I, I'm, uh, I live in central Illinois, um, the part of Illinois that isn't Chicago. <laughs> and I've uh, been married for 22 years to the same woman. <laughs> and we have three kids, uh, 15 and, uh, gee, how old are the little ones? Uh, 10 and 8. <laughs> oh, wow. um, anyway, so I would say I'm a pretty pretty square, pretty 
boring average guy (laughs) (laughs) and nothing spectacular about that kind of person you want to have as a guest on your show (laughs) yeah i mean i'm pretty boring and dull and um but i've had some interesting experiences and um, you mentioned i work in advertising and but i've i've had a, a little bit of a diverse diverse background where i've worked in the nonprofit field and up in chicago particularly and and uh, then we had our first daughter, and then we moved moved back to our hometown where my parents and my wife's parents live. Um, our values changed a bit when we had our, our daughter because before, well, my values changed, I should say. Before I had her, I didn't really care about family. <laughs> then after we had her, I was like, gosh, literally it was, <clears throat> so my hometown is three hours from, about two and a half to three hours from Chicago where we lived up there. And it was the day after Christmas one day when my wife was pregnant with our daughter and we were driving back up to Chicago area from our hometown. And I said, gee, wouldn't it be interesting? Wouldn't it be nice to wake up in our own home on Christmas morning? <laughs> and that started it. Six months later, we moved back to our hometown when we had our daughter and <clears throat> we've been here the last, uh, I guess, 15 years. So, yep. yeah, yeah. So uh, I've been um, a part of three church plants Um and uh, as a volunteer, it's just something that we found ourselves sort of, I don't know, sucked into doing. <laughs> you know, it's like there's a need and uh, we stepped in and been part of these church plants. And usually I, I was serving like in a youth leader role in, in these environments just as a volunteer. You know, I would um, work with teenagers and I haven't done that for several years now, but that's that's kind of how um, I, I teenagers ask really good questions, (laughs) especially if you're in a faith uh, environment and they just, they just want to know. And I wanted to have decent answers. I I, I think uh, someone's faith should have, um, should be able to withstand good questioning. So I I was never risk averse when it came to uh, researching sort of the harder questions and, you know, about this topic of ghosts, well, I'll back up even. I grew up in a like a Pentecostal environment, Pentecostal church, kind oh, of wow. a, one of those wild Pentecostal churches. Okay, sure. And I, <laughs> uh, I would always like when I was a kid, I would would like sort of ghost stories or horror movies or whatever. And but I was never really afraid of them because of my my sort of my faith. I was just like, oh, these people need Jesus, you know, and uh, <laughs> and the movies. But that would make a very good movie if if they could just say a prayer and the thing would go away. But but when I would ask my, I actually asked my pastor, you know, what are ghosts, you know? And he, mm-hmm. he actually said, there's no, no such thing as ghosts. And he didn't mm-hmm. even use the, their demons line. He just said, there's no such thing as ghosts. And <laughs> when I was a, a kid, which is kind of funny from a hearing from a Pentecostal pastor, but. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. And my favorite cartoon growing up as a kid was Scooby-Doo. If you know the premise, they would run into like a ghostly story and then a couple of the characters would say, there's no such thing as ghosts. And then they'd <laughs> uncover the, you know, the man in the mask or the woman in the mask. And then you're right. There wasn't, it was a really a materialist perspective of the supernatural. There isn't a supernatural. <laughs> you know? The worldview, the worldview of Scooby-Doo is very strange because it's like ghosts don't exist, but talking dogs do. <laughs> but- yeah. Well, you know, Scooby snacks. <laughs> everything yeah uh so, but that was uh that's kind of the environment that i was raised in the materialist mm-hmm. sort of scientific view that there's no such thing as ghosts you can explain it all scientifically it's people's imaginations or 
it's people want to believe in ghosts, so they they see what they want to believe in. But we left that environment, we left that church, and moved, and we moved up to the Chicago area, and just became aware that maybe you know the the more traditional evangelical Christian perspective that there are there are spirits and they're all demons, or maybe they're angels, and then there's God, and and there maybe there's Satan, and so everything in the spirit realm was probably demonic or whatever, and I kind of got involved in that because I was studying, I was trying to figure out. Like, what are UFOs? You know, what are aliens? Are aliens, you know, from another world? Are they live from another world? Or is it some government conspiracy? Or anyway, so one big, huge uh, perspective of the alien phenomena is that they're all demons. And then, so then I started studying that because I, I was like into X-Files and stuff, right? Back in that time. <laughs> and so that, so that was, you know, the evangelicals have their perspective that anything spiritual is probably demonic. <laughs> and the favorite verse in the Bible of these people is uh, even Satan can disguise himself as an angel of light. You know, I've heard that mm-hmm. verse, I swear, a thousand times from people trying to <laughs> argue against where I'm at now. You know, I, grew, I said I grew up in a Pentecostal church. My dad was a Catholic. My mom was a Pentecostal, and then they got married. Dad learned, he left the Catholic church and, you know, took, took on my mom's faith. And then together they developed their sort of their own uh, faith, you know, in the Christian community. But I... Dad always questioned things because, you know, Catholics have they, they've sort of they've been around for, you know, a few centuries. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they've they've thought about these things. And right. the Pentecostals have been around for about 100 years. Right. right. And, they, and they haven't thought about those things quite as much. So he, he taught me to think and to challenge the status quo and and don't be afraid to be wrong. And, you know, so anyway. But I, for a long time, I was in the camp that they're all demons, right? Mm-hmm. And then we noticed that our daughter was, my our first daughter was seeing things that we couldn't see, like uh, pointing to the, like when she was two or three, mm-hmm. um, pointing to the patio door and saying, who's that man, daddy? Mm-hmm. And there would be nobody there. And we're like, there's nobody there. And she would look at us like we were crazy right there. That man right there. There's nobody there. Well, he's scary. Make him go away. Oh, and so what do, you, what do you do with that? You know, or every night, uh, the man and you know, the monster in the closet, but it, for, in her case, it was the shadowy figure in the corner every mm-hmm. night in the, in the room and, or screaming at the little dragon in the corner. Mm-hmm. Now we're not seeing anything mm-hmm. and maybe getting a creepy feeling maybe, but it's, it's more creepy to, when your kid is seeing things and you know your kid's not crazy. My wife is in the mental health field, works specifically with children who've been traumatized and abused. So mm. we knew she wasn't that. And we just had to we had to embrace that the spirit realm is real. Mm. And some people can see it. So we learned we we started treating these things like demons and we would pray you know this sort of the christian prayer against them and it seemed to calm calm things down and so i i took this this uh this these concepts that okay the spirit realm the spirit realm is inhabited by demons and um and and the standard evangelical view of of ghosts or disembodied humans the spirits of disembodied you know disembodied humans the standard view of evangelicals is they're all demons, demons impersonating to be a, a, a human. And so that was just how I thought of it, even as our daughter was um, seeing spiritual things. And eventually we started the, my wife and I started this website um, to 
provide a Christian perspective on the internet about people who can see spirits. Cause it turns out there's a lot of people who can see spirits, but mm-hmm. you don't talk about it in America because, or the West, because, well, if you talk about it, you get, you get sent to a psychologist, you know, where they give you a <laughs> pill and, yeah. you know, cause that thing's not real. Now I, I'm, I say that in, in jest, but it's, it used to be the standard diagnostic tool in America um, that mental health professional use, mental health professionals use. It's called the DSM. Um, it used to be they would categorize people who saw things, who had hallucinations, who had visions of things, or heard voices. That that would count towards a diagnostic d- diagnosis of a mental illness, like schizophrenia or something. Mm-hmm. But the latest version of the DSM, the DSM five. That no longer counts towards a mental illness. If you have, if you mm. see a vision of a f- figure or you ha- hear voices in a religious context, that doesn't count towards a mental health um, diagnosis. And so that's like shocking to me that the in America at least the scientific community is is acknowledging that well, lots of people are going around and they're saying they see spirits or they're hearing voices. And if it's in a religious context, that's just, you know, it's a, it's a religious experience. It's not really a mental sign of a mental illness, which is kind of amazing. But and on my website, I have articles about that. But anyway, when I was in youth ministry at one of the churches, I had, I had kids, teenagers who revealed to me that they could see spirits. Hmm. And one of them, uh, one student, uh, was uh, really traumatized. She was self-harming and she was just, she was just a wreck. Oh, she wow. told me about a spirit that was visiting her in her house. Uh, that was her grandpa hmm. and her grandpa had passed away recently. And it was her grandpa. It smelled like her grandpa. It looked like her grandpa. And he was just, and then what did he do? What did he talk to you? No, no. He just kind of follows us around me and my mom and just, hmm. you know, we're having breakfast. He sits there or, or, and I'm like, well, it's a demon. It's a demon, right? Hmm. It's, because you know, it's a demon. Yeah, I didn't tell that to her. I was in a pastoral relationship with this kid, and something in me said, "Don't say that. Yeah. That's not going to be helpful." Right. But in my heart, my heart, I'm thinking, "This is a demon. It's got to be a demon." And the more we talked, the more I was convinced this is not acting like a demon. Because I told her to pray against it in the sort of the standard mm-hmm. Christian evangelical way, and mm. it didn't respond to that prayer. So I'm like, "Well, it's not responding to prayer like a demon. Maybe it's something else." Hmm. Maybe it really is the spirit of her dead grandfather. Well, how is that possible? Hmm. Because the standard evangelical Christian perspective is um, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. That's, that's a verse in the New Testament. And right. it's, it's take, turns out that verse is taken way out of context to make it mean, you know, that you go to God when you die. Yeah. But, um, but nonetheless, that's, that's the verse that I had memorized. And, I, and, and that's the second verse quoted to me most often when I talk about this topic. First verse is, you know, Satan can disguise himself as angel of light. And the second verse is to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. <laughs> so <laughs> well, anyway, so I started researching because after all, why did I think that ghosts were demons being impersonated? Mm-hmm. I thought, so, cause I had been told that I've been right. told that that's, that's what the Bible said. Well, I, I had more than just this one student. I, I read an account from another seer who had been at a funeral and saw the dead person at the funeral Mm-hmm. Saw, saw the spirit of the person next to the casket, sort of watching the people pass by. Mm-hmm. And after, towards the end of the funeral, the, the spirit faded away. Mm-hmm. And, and the, this, this, I call these people seers, people who see things in the spirit realm. Um, th- this particular seer asked his pastor 
described to his pastor what he saw and asked, what was that? And he said, well, it's probably the spirit of the person and the, and the, you know, it's the spirit. It was the ghost. Mm-hmm. Well, what do I do with this knowledge? He said, don't do anything with it. It's just, it is what it is. All right. <laughs> I mean, just, so I'm, I'm reading these accounts. And I'm like, well, what does the Bible really say? Mm-hmm. And it turns out that the Bible never, there's not a single instance of a demon impersonating a ghost mm-hmm. in the Bible. And in fact, the Bible, the biblical record sort of engages that they're, can be disembodied humans roaming around Mm -hmm. and and in the old testament there were there were laws against talking to uh bad spirits Uh, there were also laws against talking to disembodied humans Mm -hmm. they had different words for those and so well gosh if it's okay in the old testament what about the new testament well uh more than once the disciples saw thought they saw a ghost (laughs) when in fact it was jesus and then when they talk to Jesus, he, he never says, you idiots, there's no such thing as ghosts, you know, <laughs> he, he didn't say that. He said, you, there you, you, that, you know, he didn't, he didn't even engage them on that level. He just said, yeah, you, you didn't see a ghost. You saw me. And so, well, gosh, if the Bible's okay with ghosts, then why am I, how come I'm not okay with ghosts? <laughs> now, what do I do with that knowledge? Yeah. Well, I don't know. You know, I, I mean, what do you do with it? I, so it's something that I have, changed a lot my perspective Mm -hmm. and it has been extremely uncomfortable because it goes against my religious tradition and it goes against the cultural tradition the cultural tradition ostensibly is no such thing as a ghost but of course on television uh, all those ghost hunter programs the the wider dynamic in the culture is people engage or acknowledge there are spiritual things even if they don't have a grid for or quite understand what they are yeah um I'm not someone who has ever had a paranormal experience. Um, But I do have to say that, you know, there do seem to be enough credible people who claim to have had it that, you know, I mean, you have to conclude there's something out there, um, you know, and there's, you know, maybe room for debate about what it is. But um, well, I think there's lots of room for debate. What I've come to realize is like you were saying in the intro, Intro, do people actually change their mind? I mean, changing your mind in the Christian context is the heart of what repentance is. Mm. And I like thinking of it as having a growth mindset as opposed to a fixed mindset. And I have had a fixed mindset and a lot of things, um, a lot of political things for a long time I had fi- a fixed mindset. or And I, I had to learn and in religion, a ton of, ton of sort of theological hills I would die on <laughs> that I would not die on anymore. I, I just had to be willing. I had to be challenged and, and, and just acknowledge that the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. And when I was 22, I thought I had a lot of things figured out, you know, and I'm 45 now and I can't wait to learn what I'm going to learn next. You know, <laughs> I, and what I'm learning about the spirit realm, and I don't have paranormal experiences. I, I don't engage. I mean, I, as a Christian, sure, I engage in spiritual gifts. We, that's another topic. But mm-hmm. but it's not something I, I, you know, it's not like I'm not trying to talk to spirits. I'm not trying to engage in them. It's just, I, it's just a useful tool to have a, a worldview that accepts that, hey, there's a spiritual realm. And guess what? Not everything's a demon. In fact... I would guess that the spirit realm is much more is, is inhabited by many more creatures than we can imagine. Sure. And, 
And a lot of people have a hard time with that. The skeptics are going to go, oh, you are so full of it. You, what are you? You know, and look, I, I went to grad school and, you know, I've been, I, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm holding a job and you know, I'm not on medication. I, but I, there are so many, Luke, I have, I have literally hundreds of emails from people from around the world, not just in America, but around the world who see spiritual things. And I, I had one, uh, one email that just, I'll never forget it. I'm going to quote it in my next book. Um, he said, and this guy is a computer software engineer, right? So he's a software engineer and working for a big company. And so these are intelligent people. But he, he said, look, there's that old adage, do you believe that there's a demon behind every bush or something? And he said, if, if what I'm seeing is true, there aren't enough bushes. <laughs> <laughs> like, does that mean that demons impact everything? I'm not saying that at all. Mm-hmm. I'm, but the spirit realm, you know, and I'm not saying they're all demons. What about ghosts? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what do you do with them? We, my wife and I have done some spiritual house cleansings. Hmm. Um, one of the most dramatic ones. Well, we, we've had, actually, they're all dramatic now that I think about it. But well, uh, we have some friends who are ghost hunters or used to be ghost hunters. Mm-hmm. And... Um, really from a non-Christian paradigm, our friends weren't Christians and, but they would go in, they wanted to help people and they would go with all their equipment and and they would sort of do the things that ghost hunters do on television. And these, but these people, they they weren't amateurs. They'd done this a lot, Mm -hmm. but they had some spirits manifest. And often uh, they would conclude there are no spirits in this house. It's just an old house that makes weird noises, (laughs) you know? Which never happens on the reality shows, but yeah. <laughs> I, no, yeah, they, they would edit that out. But but uh, sometimes they're like, nope, that, that's not a that's not the pipes creaking. That's actually a spirit, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, one time they had a, some scary spirits. Actually, a scary scary spiritual manifestation happened on the person who lived there, the college student. And uh, she, the, the 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 leader of the group called my wife like we need to get some christians in here who know what they're doing <laughs> you know so and they, they had tried calling the catholic church because that's what you do in the movies right, right? right. You call the catholic church the catholic church didn't respond in this case so she called my wife and my wife went and anyway they, they ended up doing kind of a dramatic deliverance situation mm-hmm. and then uh, doing some other long-term ministry with people so it, it's th- these things are real and it turns out these people by the way who lived in the house the, the the man had had done animal sacrifices while he was had, was in the military in Iraq. Oh, weird. So maybe you know maybe you shouldn't do that. Yeah. Don't don't do animal sacrifices. And for that matter, don't talk to these things. You know, here's here's what's so funny. Uh, someone sees a spirit and they think, oh, that's my grandpa. And they start asking grandpa questions, and grandpa starts talking to him. That's not a good idea because maybe it's not grandpa. Yeah. I mean, even though there's not a Bible verse that says, you know, uh, demons can impersonate uh, ghosts, it, it may be grandpa. It's like, how can you trust it? Mm-hmm. Just because you're trusting your perception. People lie to us all the time. Why would we trust the spirit we see? Mm-hmm. You know? So I, I had a, someone who wrote into the website and she uh, said she had recently lost her dad. One day she had come home and like over her bed, Behind, you know, over her bed was a was like a like a mirror, and in the side of the mirror she had like put pictures. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. like put, just put sort of squeeze pictures in. Um, well, a picture of her dad had come off the mirror and was laying on her pillow. Um, 
and she oh, that's weird. So she just put it back in the in the mirror. And it happened again the next day. Mm-hmm. And then it happened again the third day. And she just got this and then at night she's having dreams where her dad was there and she was a little girl and her dad's like snuggling her. Her dad died unexpectedly and had left sort of a family mess for, for her to deal with. And so she's going through a lot of stuff. And she she wrote me, I think we actually spoke on the phone and she's like, I'm not trying to talk to these things, but to talk to this, to a spirit. But I did go to the grave and I said, dad, why'd you, I told you this was going to happen. You left this mess. I told you not to get this stuff situated before you passed away and then you died. And now I have this mess and what's going on. And, and so she's like, so she was a Christian and she was kind of upset. Like I wasn't trying to talk to the dead, mm-hmm. you know, we're not supposed to do that. And, but he's not talking to me. He's just sort of like comforting me. And I said, you know, that's okay. Let him comfort you. Maybe God granted him permission to comfort his little girl and just let it be, let it be that, you know, don't ask it for advice. Don't try to talk to it. Don't hold seances. Don't, you know, get a Ouija board out. Don't get any candles and, you know, try to talk to dad. Just leave it for what it is. Mm-hmm. If, if, if God let this, the spirit, the spirit of your dad come to comfort his little girl when he left the mess, leave it there. Just let, let it be what it is. You know, we can honor our parents by accepting this as a gift. And uh, this woman actually kind of broke down emotionally and uh, the, the manifestation sort of stopped, mm-hmm. sort of calmed down after that. But th- there is biblical precedent. I mean, this, we, if you want to know it, I can go into it. But th- there are examples of why this is a valid Christian worldview. In the Old Testament, there, so the Old Testament was written to a, an ancient people in a way different foreign culture that we modern people have a hard time wrapping our head around. Mm. And so let's just like acknowledge that it is, it is, it is what it is. <laughs> and let's not get mad at the Bible for being what it is, but <laughs> that's what it is. And so back then they had, they had slaves and the slaves weren't like we think of slaves in America, uh, but they were slaves and, and they um, occasionally, occasionally a slave in that era would want to, would like love the family and would want to be part of the family. You know, or they had a provision where you had to free the slaves mm-hmm. in, in their law, and occasionally a family like the slave, like I don't really want to, I love this family, I don't want, I want to be, I don't want to be freed, bring me into the family. And so there's an Old Testament law that basically says, if you want to bring a slave into the family, um, then basically it says you need to get permission of the ancestral spirits. Mm-hmm. You do a little ritual acknowledging the ancestral spirits and your ancestors. And it's, it's a, it's sort of in line with honoring your, your mom, your mother and father. It's one of the 10 commandments. Well, if you're bringing a new member into the family, then you want to acknowledge and honor your ancestral spirits. Mm-hmm. And so there's a law that, that, that talks about that, but there's two versions of this law in the Bible. The second version was written much, much later, centuries later, and it doesn't make any reference at all to the ancestral spirits. Mm-hmm. And the reason is when the second law was written, it was revised because at that time, Israel was worshiping their ancestral spirits. Mm. And so the idea is, yes, these ancestral spirits are real. There is, some of them are around. You can acknowledge them, but don't worship them. Mm. That there's only one, one spirit you should be worshiping and they're not ancestral spirits. And so I think we can accept that both of those laws tell us something in the, in the course of Israeli history, ancient Israel's history, that yes, they acknowledge that. All right, disembodied humans were a thing, and two, don't worship them. <laughs> so I, I, I drew on that, and I have a scholarly paper that 
dives into these ideas and, and, and breaks down like our English translations of the Bible really obscure these passages. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of dive into the Hebrew and dive into the culture to really get, get this. Um, but you know, our translations, um, they obscure it. And so it is what it is. But I, I drew on that theological point when I was counseling this woman who believed that spirit of her dad was comforting her during her trauma that he had left her with. And, and, you know, and that doesn't mean, again, doesn't mean we try to engage them. We just acknowledge them. And that one, that one high school student who saw her grandpa, eventually grandpa left. Mm-hmm. Eventually grandpa left. She just like, I said, just acknowledge him at, like, okay, he's here. He misses his daughter. He misses his granddaughter. And for whatever reason, he has permission to do that. Mm-hmm. And eventually uh, the permission was rescinded and he left, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, am I, am I a hundred percent comfortable with that? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, but, but it's okay if I'm not comfortable with it. it. It's, it's okay that I don't have complete comfort with what eyewitness testimony and the Bible <laughs> acknowledges yeah. is probably real, you know? I want to talk a little bit more about your um, actual change of mind, though, um, since that's what the, the show is really about. Um, your original beliefs. Um, why would you say you believe them? Like, was it you just kind of absorbed them from the people around you? or, or um... Yeah, I definitely had absorbed them from, I mean, it's not like my parents were talking about this, right? <laughs> you know, growing up. But I just absorbed it from the literature that I was reading. Mm-hmm. Um, I absorbed it from, I, 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 you know, I was watching the X-Files and, and watching stories that are in, engaged supernatural. And I, I was trying to develop a framework just to think about it. Mm-hmm. And the framework I came with is this sort of the standard evangelical, what every pastor I ever had told me until, until my, until a few years ago, a, a church, some, some, not every church, you know, em, embraces this traditional evangelical mm-hmm. perspective that there's only demons or, or that's all in your head, the scientific worldview. Mm-hmm. And I kind of went back and forth, you know, for those, from those, but it's just because it's part of our culture. Yeah. And what is not part of the culture is the spirit realm it might be inhabited by lots of things. Yeah. In fact, what, what the spirit realm even is. I mean, it, it's like, I think about the spirit realm, like a modern person, cause I'm in a modern era mm-hmm. and our, you know, here in America, Western society has a lot of, Greek philosophy and Greek, like P- Plato, right. a lot of Platonic thinking embedded in it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just, you don't, you can't even help it. It's just how we're, it's, it frames our worldview and our worldview is so such a subconscious thing, which it filters how we interpret reality that you, you're not even aware of it. Mm-hmm. And so deconstruct, how do you deconstruct a worldview? Mm-hmm. You know, so I just absorbed it from the culture, absorbed it from the literature I was reading and, and, and a lot of the assumptions that I was raised with, they're just assumptions, they're assumptions and it's hard to go against assumptions that make up your worldview. Sure. Yeah. This is kind of an unpleasant question to ask. Um, but I am a little interested in the idea that, um, frequently we believe in what we believe for selfish reasons, you know, like our beliefs justify whatever we already want to do, right? Or our beliefs um, ingratiate us to the right people or that sort of thing. So, you know, would you say there was maybe a selfish reason for what you originally believed or? I was fully 
comfortable with not having changed my beliefs. Okay. <laughs> um, fully comfortable with with going back to. Yeah, maybe there's demons in the spirit realm, but they don't really have much impact on people. And that's it. You know, I, I mean, I'm that's that would be extremely very comfortable to do. <laughs> it was it was being in relationship with people and studying, going a little bit deeper than my English translation of my Bible and watching what my daughter was going through mm -hmm. when she was little. That just all these supernatural. Well, basically, it started with my daughter that supernatural things can shatter a person's worldview. I did not have a framework for what she was experiencing, and it just did not make any sense. And so I had to I really had to rethink things. So, yeah, selfishly, look, if my daughter hadn't had these spiritual experiences, I would still be dead centered in the evangelical camp and I wouldn't even be the least bit interested and hearing another perspective. Mm. It's very comfortable being there. Yeah. And I would be accepted by most, most Christians. <laughs> you know? Like, Oh I'm, yeah. Yep. I would be the one saying, Hey, I'd be the one on the internet saying <laughs> to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I, I would be the one who had it all figured out. I'd have a fixed mindset. So when you, um, when you first started, questioning this belief um obviously it was because your daughter <laughs> was describing these things to you um i mean is is there would you say there's a selfish or self-interested motive there as well or is that well what she was describing didn't and that's the only reason i got involved with right it. you know there, there definitely wouldn't be the website i mean and here's what's funny it's like okay so my wife and i were trying to figure out what in the world she was Seeing and it could just come with a we just wanted a, a paradigm to interpret it. Mm -hmm. And then once we basically had a paradigm, that was okay. Now we could parent her. Mm -hmm. Right? We could we could parent her and we could engage in what we needed to engage to make our home safe for a very spiritually sensitive person. I didn't even use the word seer at the time. Mm -hmm. I said, you know, she's very sensitive to the spirit realm. And we were just comfortable being right there. But then my wife decided decided to start Googling this mm -hmm. <laughs> and discover that lots of people can see spiritual things. Mm -hmm. And, um, but most of the information on the internet came from a perspective that wasn't, that it wasn't a Christian perspective. Right. And she thought, well, we need to have a, a Christian answer, you know, a Christian worldview, a Christian perspective to it. So when people are, are discussing this or researching it, other parents, maybe pastors or, friends spouses you know when they're researching this there's at least maybe they can find a christian perspective on, uh, on it too mm -hmm. and i'm like that sounds like a lot of work <laughs> i'm just that sounds really risky you know and then we had to think well like so you need to do this you know and i'm like why well, i don't want to do this i don't know how to build a website <laughs> i don't what am i going to say am i and then i think am i going to use my name mm -hmm. Because that's risky. Yeah, sure. You know, it's like I, I'm a professional. I have a career. And do I, do I want to, what do I want, what do I want to come up if you Google my mm -hmm. name, you know? And so I remember talking to someone, I think it may have been another podcast actually years ago mm -hmm. uh, saying, and he said, are you going to use your real name or are you going to use a fake name? And, you know, like you're going to, and like at some point 
I just decided I'm just, I don't know if I prayed about it or talked about it with people, but eventually uh, look, it's way out of my comfort zone to, to use my actual name and to have a website with a couple hundred articles about this topic. Um, it's just much more in my, my, like I said, I'm pretty square. <laughs> it's much more in my comfort zone to be somewhat involved in my community and be a good dad, be a good husband and, you know, play some tennis and, you know, read Lord of the Rings once every couple of years. <laughs> and that's, that's where I want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, being, you know, maybe helping plant a church or getting involved in my church on some level, but having a, a ministry where I, I try to help people who can see spirits understand what it is they're seeing is way out of my comfort zone. So I, I learned if I were selfish, I am selfish, but if I were more selfish, <laughs> I wouldn't have the website mm-hmm. or I'd have a ton of ads all over it and try to make some money on it. <laughs> and I just have a hard time doing that. I just, I, there are some ads because you know, websites are expensive yeah. and, and I don't really ask for donations. I do have a few people who donate, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's just a service. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, yeah, way out of my comfort zone, but uh, you know, I follow a God who gave the best for me. So at least I can do is fill this niche until someone, someone better comes along and does it better than I can. Sure. Yeah. Um, so you do use your, your name, your real name then for this or. Yes. Yep. Yeah, that's my real name. Yeah, I'm curious since you you mentioned, had there been any <laughs> ramifications in your private or professional life? Uh, no, because even on my LinkedIn account, I, I I've buried yeah I've buried the reference sure. uh, to it. I had it for a while, but I had it as a volunteer experience. But what is that proverb that Jesus said? A prophet is of no respect or something in his hometown yeah. or something like that. <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not saying I'm a prophet, but you get what I'm saying. It's like, nobody cares. Yeah. You know, my friends don't care. Uh, I mean, a couple of my friends have read, picked up my, I have a book, you know, a couple of them have picked it up. Oh, it's really mm-hmm. good. It's really interesting, you know, <clears throat> but we don't really talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's, they're just like, Oh, you're, you're a friend, you know, yeah. it's, yeah. You're pretty square. It's so funny. You're like, <laughs> no, um, but it's, it's more online. You know, I, I get tons of interaction online and I, I think having some integrity to um, trying to have some integrity and, in, in, in the research and, and how I approach the topic. Sure. You know, I don't see things. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't. And uh, it's, I get a lot of emails from people who wanted to learn to see spirits. Mm-hmm. And uh, most every spirit, every person who does see things, um, they say, you don't want to. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> you know? I'm sure. Yeah, it's uh, they don't really want to, but anyway. Yeah, it's one of those things where it seems like it would be cool until it ruins your life. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It would be interesting to have yeah. the experience once, but to be stuck with it, yeah. I'm like, eh, no thanks. Yeah, I had one, one uh, woman who, um, she would get these migraines, and she could see in the spirit realm very clearly. Mm-hmm. And then, but as they were trying to treat her migraines, a certain pill that she took, took care of the headaches, but also cut off her ability to perceive in the spirit realm. Huh. Yeah. And I asked, she told me that and I asked, well, how do you feel about things now? And she said, well, it's a little more frightening because now I don't know if I'm safe. Huh. And I had to really think about wow. that, you know, and uh, she, she's like, I just don't know if I'm safe anymore. <laughs> I don't know if I'm, 
Well, then a few weeks later, they tweaked the medicine a little bit. And a couple weeks after that, she could start seeing spirits again. <laughs> and the headache still stayed away. Oh. So that's why I, I, I think that there's a biochemistry. I think some people have are just wired a certain way. They're just too, I think it's an ability that some people have. Sure. And you can, if you, you know, you've, you, if you mess the biochemistry of your brain up, it, it's going to, it might have a spiritual impact, but anyway, so now, you know, she can at least tell if there's bad spirits in the room or disembodied human or. I want to poke at something you said a little while ago. You said you, you um, had to figure out how to make a home safe for a seer, for your daughter who can be yeah. the spirit realm. I'm curious, how do you make a home safe for someone like that? <laughs> oh boy <laughs> um this is going to sound really christiany okay okay so i apologize for the non-christians listening <laughs> but it is i mean but it is what it is sure um you you want to stop sinning <laughs> mm. okay you want to stop sinning you want to you want to change what you're thinking about mm-hmm. um instead of thinking about dark things and bad things and, and, uh, things that are evil. And instead of, uh, gauging in, and bad and bad behavior, mm-hmm. um, you want to clean that up. Mm-hmm. And, um, because it turns out that sin is a magnet to bad spirits. Okay. I don't want to say demons because it's more complicated than that, sure. but it's just, it's a magnet to bad spiritual behavior. Okay. Um, sin does. And so, you know, it's like, it, it's, it's so cliche and I apologize, but <laughs> it's, it is what it is. Uh, I stopped, I, I am more into, and I'm not saying I, I don't live without sin, but I'm a lot better than I used to be. Okay. And, um, I take a lot more care about what I think about and more intentional to be, to live a sort of a, a life that is reflective of God. Uh huh. And, and, and people are like, what does that mean? Like, well, okay. I think Jesus was, was God in human form. And so I want to live a life. People look at me, they, they should see something like how Jesus was. Okay. So that's, and it's, and that's not just think it's not. And so Jesus, he said things like, look, don't just not have, yeah, it's bad to have an affair, but if you think about having an affair, that's like having an affair. Mm-hmm. You know, he said, whatever you think about, you've done in your heart, something like that. And he talks about that too. Like, don't just not murder your neighbor. Don't gossip about your neighbor. Mm-hmm. I'm like, don't gossip about my neighbor, but I feel really good about gossiping about my neighbor. <laughs> I want to rip on my neighbor, you know? Yeah. And that includes people on Facebook who, who really irritate me. You know? <laughs> so it's, it's, it's just, it's living a life that looks a lot more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's, there's more to it than that, but that's a big part of it and being very, and, and, and raising our kids that way. And so we try to put other people first and on our fridge down in, in my house, I was gonna say downstairs, come on the second floor, but in my our fridge, we have a sign that says put others first mm-hmm. because that is ultimately, that's what Jesus did. That's what God did. He put you first. And if Christians would start doing that, <laughs> they'd be more Christian. They'd be more like Christ. And but also, if you are inflicted by bad spiritual behavior, negative spiritual influences in your life in your home, um, get you know, start changing how you think. Start living more holy lives. Get get the crappy demonic stuff out of your house, and that mm-hmm. might be Ouija boards, or might be in my case, it was bad movies. <laughs> there's, there's no formula, mm-hmm. okay? It, it's 
it is something that you 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 walk you know as a christian you believe you walk with the lord and so the lord reveals sort of things that he expects you to to clean up mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. so I, I wrote a whole book on that but again i don't want to get too preachy and stuff but that's really what it and it's never too late to, to make a change it's never too late to change how you think sure. and i do it all the time I, i'm continually challenging how i think and you know whenever i stumble and do something stupid i you know i try like man i I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. I should have, I should, I, I'm better than that. I'm, I'm better than that. But I like <laughs> I, my, my family is better than that. You know what I mean? Like what I learned is when I would sin, my daughter would have a nightmare. Mm. And if I continued in that sin, then she would see a spirit in her room mm. and it would, it would torment her. Well, gosh, when I figured that out, what did I feel like a jerk? Yeah. <laughs> it's like that, that sin was feeding my own selfishness, but it, it was actually attracting demonic behavior demonic activity in the house. And she being extremely sensitive to the spirit realm was the first to pick up on it. Mm-hmm. Now, lots of people are not, lots of people are not sensitive to the spirit realm. So imagine what's lurking in their homes, just influencing their atmosphere mm-hmm. because of their perpetuating negative behavior. And then that goes on generation after generation after generation, you know? So if we as a society would, would start living more righteous lives putting other people first and like living more wholesome lives, um, more pure, more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. I think our system, you know, things could, I don't think, I know that that would improve this, the spiritual atmosphere in a lot of people's homes. Mm. And, I, and again, I'm not saying demons or ghosts or whatever. I'm not saying these bad spirits are shaping, like are, are causing all the afflictions in people, but they're not helping. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, sometimes the sickness is a sickness. Sometimes someone gets killed in a car crash because of chaos. Something horrible happens, a chaotic, a bad choice. It's not a demon, demon or anything. It's just bad. Sure. It's just, it's just horrible. Sometimes tornadoes happen and storms happen because it's just nature's chaotic. Um, nonetheless, you know, it's, it's good to have a spiritually clean place to live in. And, you know, you want your home to be a place where people come into like, man, it feels so nice being here, mm. you know, and they're not talking about the candles that you have, the scented candles, you know, or the music you have playing. They're like, man, there's something in the atmosphere, something spiritual mm. is, and I can't put my finger on it, but it feels so nice to be here. Mm. You know? So, well, that's, you know, what is it exactly? I don't know. Mm. I don't know what it is exactly, but it's just something in the atmosphere. And I don't mean like, I don't mean the literal atmosphere. I mean, the spiritual atmosphere mm. that people can pick up on. And Oh, by the way, and if a ghost is living in your house, Okay, if a ghost don't just is haunting your house, all right, <laughs> let's talk about that. If a ghost is haunting your house, after a while, you know, like it's one thing if grandpa's coming to visit for a few nights and then he goes away, mm-hmm. okay, or or the, the dad who just passed away is coming comforting his little girl, or, you know, great aunt Mary is in the backyard looking at the flower she, she used to like, you know, that she planted or something. But after a while, these things need to go on to where they're supposed to go. Mm-hmm. They're not supposed to linger on earth. They're supposed to be at rest or go to wherever God has for them. And so if you have a ghost haunting your house, and this happens uh, for various reasons, then tell it to go away. <laughs> tell it to go where God has has prepared for it. And specifically, tell it to go where Jesus has prepared for it. Because Jesus is the most high God. He's the king. And he, he's the one who gets to judge. You don't get to judge. You know, so if a ghost is haunting your home, just say, you know, th- it's time for you to go. <laughs> go to where Jesus has, you know, go to the, go to the Father and Jesus can judge you and, and be at rest, uh-huh. be at peace. 
something like that. You know, it's just, again, there's not, no, people will write to me and say, Hey, give me a prayer, a magic prayer that will make these things go away. Like, it's not so much the prayer. It's sort of just the knowledge, Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like walking in knowledge, walking in, in the power and presence of, of who you are. And it's not, it's not, there's no magic formula. We shouldn't think of it as magic. So when people, when they want a special prayer, I, I, I get kind of upset about that because, yeah. because like, well, what's going on in the house that's attracting to the thing in the first place, right. you know, it's like, well, you know, we're doing, we're, we're doing math. <laughs> give me the, give me the prayer to make the demon go away or the, the ghosts go away. Or, mm. My friend got killed doing drugs and now he's hunting in the house. We're still doing the drugs. <laughs> give me the prayer to make it go away. I'm like, well, first of all, mm. you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's not a prayer. Right. It's like, you need to change your life. Mm-hmm. Right. Which by the way is what repenting is all about. Changing how we think about things. Mm. And a lot of people are comfortable with the spirit in their house. I, I know someone who they had, they, they believe they had a ghost living in their attic and they both ended up with cancer. Did the ghost cause the cancer? I don't know, but I would think that it would be more comfortable with the ghost gone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe it's impacting the spirit realm and the spirit realm is impacting their physical body and that's manifesting a cancer. Mm. Maybe it's just, maybe it's not, maybe it's just a mute, you know, maybe it's just cancer. I don't know. But here's an idea. If, if there's things that haunting in your attic, tell it to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't, don't ask it. Why are you here? Don't ask it. Why are you mm. here? Don't ask it where the, you know, is where, you know, where the secret will is that, that, you know, it left mm. and didn't tell anybody. I mean, don't talk to it because you can't trust what it's going to say. Sure. And I know people, I know spirits, I know uh, mediums and psychics. Um, we were at a new age, like a psychic fair recently. Mm. I say we, I had some Christians and we were there just ministering to people there. Sure. But I, you talk to these psychics and mediums and they talk to these spirits and they just believe what they say. I'm like, why, why would you believe what this thing says? Oh, I can tell, I can tell it's telling the truth. I'm like, really? <laughs> How do you know? I mean, is it a lie detector test? So oh, I just feel, I just feel it. <laughs> well, we can't, we, we can't go by our feelings. <laughs> our feelings lie to us all the time. Sure. You know, <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like I could live on chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> Some people feel like Donald Trump's a great president. Other people feel like he's not. I mean, you can't go by your feelings. Yeah. Your feelings lie to you all the time. It's true. Sometimes you're feeling to telling the truth. So anyway, don't talk to the spirit. Mm-hmm. Just tell it to leave. It seems so obvious. You're laughing like, well, yeah, duh. Yeah. But people live tormented all the time and they won't make a change. Uh-huh. You know, you know, yeah. they, they want the prayer. They'll give me the oil. People write to me all the time. Give me, do you, do you sell holy water? Do you sell holy oil? Are you freaking kidding me? What, what are you asking me for that? I mean, <laughs> it's not magic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, I can pray over oil and you can pray over water, whatever. <laughs> but maybe you should think about what's going on that the thing's bugging you in the first yeah. place. And it's, you know what? And it can be more than sin. It can be, there can be curses. Mm-hmm. Witches can do these things. People, people, I know people can curse each other and it manifests spiritually. There can be ancestral oaths that manifest. I mean, all sorts of things. The thing's way more complicated than I'm, I'm, I'm saying. And it makes me extremely uncomfortable talking about it, <laughs> but it's just, it's just how it's just the spirit realm is just vastly more complicated and it's vastly more real than we as modern Americans, even evangelicals or pagans or, or, or skeptics, materialists, mm-hmm. science, people who just like, it's all about science. 
And yes, I, I'm aware that po- some poltergeist activity, it's not from spirits at all. It's from people's mental powers. It's, it's from an angry child who's somehow manifesting a poltergeist activity in a the home. There's all sorts of explanations for things that go mm-hmm. on. It's not uh, all... It's not all demons, <laughs> you know? or it's not all just, it's just in their heads. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the thing about, um, thing about scientific skepticism is, well, you know, science can tell you about things that can be controlled and repeated, right? Like that's literally what science does. Yeah. Any, any, anything that can be performed in a controlled experiment that can be repeated. And it's like, what about stuff that, can't be controlled or repeated like here's an example of something that can't be controlled or repeated the experience yeah. of eating an apple hmm. think about that how do you how do you, you you bite into an apple and now just think about it anyone who's listening you think about biting into an apple and that juice hits your tongue and you can taste the skin the texture of the skin that experience science can't they can't, what well, you just experienced thinking about it, science can't measure that. Mm-hmm. Or we can measure the, electri- the electroactivity in your brain. That's not what I'm talking about. They can't measure the experience. Yeah. So, you know, and it's, who, who am I to argue with thousands of people who've told me they can see spiritual things? Sure. Am I to say, well, it doesn't fit my scientific framework, so therefore. It doesn't fit my evangelical framework, so therefore. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm it, it's, it, we just need to have a way more open mind about these things. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm on this, this podcast. We don't do a lot of episodes, but it's called paranormal, uh-huh. not paranormal, but paranormal where we look at peer reviewed research of mm-hmm. allegedly paranormal things. Sounds- and I say allegedly because a lot of things are not, we think they're paranormal, but they're really not. Uh-huh. But other things are, and, but you're talking about how, you know, how science can you repeat it? We did an episode on electronic voice phenomena where okay. that's EVP. That's, mm-hmm. you know, that's what these ghost hunters, they go in, they have these machines and they try to record the voices of the spirits. Sure. And the scientific study, they went into a lab in a university and they set up the machine and they had it going for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And they just recorded, they, they just said, we, d- we didn't get anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's in our episode. You, you can look it up, listen to it. Mm-hmm. We say that's the stupidest experiment I've ever heard. <laughs> Wouldn't you want to go to like a cemetery or a, right. you know, a funeral home or a hospital where people have died or, you know, a haunted house or someplace. Mm-hmm. What, what a dumb control, you know, <laughs> what a dumb experiment. So that's why the EV the one article said, we don't believe in it because we had a, you know, we monitored it for hours and we didn't get anything. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> So scientists can be pretty dumb sometimes. Mm-hmm. And obviously science gives us wonderful things like medicine and technology to do podcasts across states, you know. <laughs> All right. So aside from the new beliefs themselves, what would you say you learned from the experience of changing your mind? Change is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's risky. It's uncomfortable. Mm. It's okay not to have all the answers. Mm. And it's okay to acknowledge that you'll never have all the answers and it's okay to keep looking, keep searching mm-hmm. for a better, a better framework. It's okay to deconstruct your worldview. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's uncomfortable. And, and then reconstruct it. Um, it's, it is uncomfortable. I, I, I said earlier, you know, did it, did it cost me anything? 
planning churches cost me being part of church plants cost me things I, I made huge sacrifices that impacted careers and and things so the so my faith walk has cost something um a lot uh, the, and i think being asked hard questions and having some integrity you know wanting to have some integrity and an answer forced me to do just a lot of research i've read hundreds of scholarly articles and dissertations and trying to trying to understand like what the bible says and how to think about it in a modern context and um perspectives from catholics and perspectives from um other uh other christians and and non-christians lots of discussions and just being willing to love and also being comfortable with loving people who don't think the same way you do and and feeling comfortable not like this acknowledging that it's okay where they're at. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, you, you do some work and you're like, I want to give them all the truth that I have. Like, well, that can be destructive. Yeah. You know, I mean, someone's being afflicted by bad spirits or they don't need to have all the truth. They just, they just need some truth to get them on the path to freedom. Sure. I'm curious if you have a lot of people that like try to argue with you either from like a, a skeptical position or like a more evangelical position of like, no, your daughter is delusional or no, your daughter is seeing demons. I mean, I'm, I'm curious how you deal with that. Yeah. I get lots of people who argue and it, lots of people on the website, you can read the comments on the website, um, the different articles. Yeah. They get tons of email and stuff from people. Yeah. I mean, like it's gotta be pretty demoralizing at some point. Yeah. I had someone, Oh, I had someone email me recently saying uh, what you say basically attacked my my faith my faith walk because it didn't it didn't align with her preconceived ideas mm-hmm. i'm like mm-hmm. well you know here's the thing i'm going to tell you right now i'm wrong <laughs> i'm wrong on some things mm-hmm. i my theology is not 100 percent accurate and because in my belief there's only one person who had 100 percent accurate theology Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm not him, and so I'm okay with working out where I'm still wrong, mm-hmm. and, and getting and getting better. But I, I do find it very demoralizing and frustrating when people they they read something and it, and it, they take it out of context, mm-hmm. or they just assume I mean something that I don't mean. Okay, like here's what someone said. I, I on my the back of my book, I think I I, I you know on the cover. Um, summary, mm-hmm. the back cover summary. I, I said something like, "Understand, like what the Bible, what you can't trust the Bible about." And she's like, "How? How can you say that? How come? How can you say you can't trust the Bible in some things?" <laughs> I said, "Because the Bible says." I, I wrote in my email. I said, "How can I? How can you trust the Bible about anything then? If you can't trust the Bible about everything, I'm like, well, because the Bible assumes that the seed of emotions are your kidneys." <laughs> Because the Bible assumes an ancient scientific knowledge. Mm-hmm. And what we know today, I gave one of my kidneys to a friend. I guarantee you my seat of emotions did not go with her <laughs> <laughs> or with, with it to her. So we know that we don't go to a kidney specialist when we need brain surgery, right? Mm-hmm. We, we don't take medicine for our kidneys when we need um, psychotropic meds for a chemical imbalance in our head. Mm-hmm. So it's like, some things we just so we need to not be mad at the Bible for what 
for what it is. It's an ancient document written to ancient people mm-hmm. that reveals eternal truth. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's anyway. So I, 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 yeah, people want to argue all the time. Some seers, they, they, they don't even agree that they're seeing disembodied humans at times. <laughs> yeah. There's this one, this one that walks up and I had someone tell me the one walks up down the street. It's either an angel or a demon. I'm not sure which I'm like, well, maybe it's a ghost. <laughs> yeah, maybe. No, 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 no. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, it's like, all right, fine. You know, what do you do? You can't argue with people who have a fixed mindset. If they want to learn, I'll be glad to engage. And I want to learn. Sure. And continue learning. So it, it's, I got, I've been bludgeoned, I've been attacked, mm-hmm. heretic. Oh, I'm a heretic. Just so you know. Um, it's okay. It's fine. Call me names. Don't listen to me, whatever. <laughs> but if you're having spiritual experiences or you have a kid who's seeing spirits, go to my website because it'll have a lot of information. That's very helpful. <laughs> I, I just learned to be okay with people being mad at me. Mm-hmm. Okay. I take it back. I'm not okay with it, but it hurts. My heart. <laughs> it hurts my heart. It does. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a super sensitive, emotional uh, man. Uh-huh. And broken relationships really hurts. It really, uh, and I have to remind myself, people who just come out, out of the blue and attack, I don't have a relationship with this person. Why am I upset? You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. But that's, that's how I am. And, mm-hmm. and it's okay that they're mad and, and not strike back because people are hurting. And often people strike out and they're hurt. All right. So I have um, three questions that I want to ask all my guests. I'm trying to long-term goal for this uh project is to try to kind of get at these epistemological and ontological questions of how do we know ourselves and how do we know truth? What is identity? What do you think identity is? Do we each have an identity? How do we know our identity? An identity is what defines you. And I will say that our behavior flows from our identity. I identify as an Illini sports fan. University of Illinois sports fan. It's a painful, it's so painful to be an Illini fan <laughs> in this era. Okay. My behavior flows from this identity, which means that I cannot root for Ohio State Buckeyes <laughs> unless they're playing well, Michigan. Everybody else who lives outside of Ohio. So, <laughs> yes. Right. All right. If they're playing Michigan, then it's okay to root for the Ohio State Buckeyes. So my behavior flows from my identity. Mm-hmm. And, and so the question is, in my, my mind, how should we identify mm-hmm. first? What's the most important identity? Who gets to define us? Mm-hmm. And in youth ministry, I learned that kids are defined by their parents mm-hmm. or lack of, by teachers, by their friends. They look in the mirror and they identify as too fat, too thin, too tall, too short, not fast enough, not strong enough, not smart enough, Mm -hmm. not good enough. And it turns out adults identify the same way. Mm -hmm. They take on identities of being attacked. What um, What about human nature? What do you think is human nature? Are we all the same? Are we all born a certain way? Are we all blank slates? What do you think? Okay. Well, we're not 
blank slates <laughs> and we're not pre-programmed mm-hmm. or something in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, there, epigenetics is really a fascinating field mm-hmm. and uh, it, it certainly reveals we're not blank slates. And it also certainly reveals we're not predestined to mm-hmm. certain things. We are predisposed, but not predestined. Right. Human nature is we all we are all born mortal. Mm-hmm. And everything in us cries at the injustice of being born mortal. Mm. We are born to die. And we we rebel against that notion. Everything in our lives rebels against that notion. Hmm. And um, by nature, that's, that's what I mean by nature. And because we are mortal, because we are born to die, we choose to live selfishly. Mm-hmm. We choose to live with ourselves in mind first. And it is, it is in the core of our being to live like that. Finally, what is truth? How do we know truth? Can truth be known? What do you think? I think that truth is a person, and that person is Jesus. Jesus reveals 100% truth about God. He reveals 100% truth about humans. And everything else sort of falls underneath that. So that's how I, that's my interpretive filter. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what is the truth of this math? What is the truth about how I use Facebook? What is it? You know, uh, uh, yeah, all those things are, are interesting. But the 100% truth, you know, some people say well, all reality is a hologram or all reality is, I'm like, oh, enough. Uh, I don't know about any of that. <laughs> what I do know 100% is that Jesus was a real man who came in the flesh, died on the cross and rose again. Mm-hmm. And he is truth. And I don't know what that means exactly. I think about it a lot. <laughs> well, Doug, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, before I let you go, do you got anything to plug? I know you've got some books out. Um, uh, yeah. The, so the website is seersc.com. And I use that word seer. I, I People find that antagonistic. And that was on purpose. <laughs> it was meant to be jarring. It just means people who see spiritual things. Yeah. Okay. Seersc.com is a website. as it's a lot, a lot on there. And and if you go back to the beginning, you'll see how that my ideas change over time. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, the book I have out is called peace in your house, spiritual cleansing of life and land. And that's, I wrote that because a bunch of people would write the website and ask, how do I do a spiritual house cleansing? What prayer do I say? Mm-hmm. And a lot of the book is about trying to think differently. Um, on the website, there's a book, there's an ebook called hearing God. And you know, if anyone who writes in, I'll make that available for free. It's like two fifty or something, but just if you want it for free, it's fine. Hmm. Um, and there's also a Christmas devotional. So we're going into Halloween when this episode released, <laughs> but there are, I have a Christmas thing afterward. Get that. It's, you've never read a devotional about Christmas like this. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of cool. And then on the website, I, I released um, a, for free, um, a seven part youth curriculum about uh, the story of the Bible mm-hmm. and it's called uh, it how to find it's typically it's for teens or maybe uh, college students, but it's how to find your place in God's supernatural plan. And it goes uh, sort of a supernatural overview of the Bible in seven lessons. Mm. And, uh, and it's free. Uh, the book is not free. You can get it on Amazon, um, but everything else is 
pretty much available for free if you want. Eventually, I'll have another book uh, called Seer Tribe. Working on that. Hopefully, I'll have that in the next out in the next several months. Um, but it'll uh, it'll be just it'll it'll have organized the information on the website a little more coherently, uh, more of a structure, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so people can get it and then understand how to parent, pastor, or live with someone who sees spirits. All right, this has been changed my mind with Luke T. Harrington. I'm Luke T. Harrington. You can find me on Twitter at Luke T. Harrington or just go to my website, LukeTHarrington.com. And I will see you next time. Now, I feel like I know what the question is going to be now that I've done two quote-unquote spooky podcasts. And yes, I'm quoting myself. Um, I had one guest on who said he doesn't believe at all in an incorporeal soul. And I just had one guest on who basically said he believes the soul can get up and walk around after you're dead. (laughs) And I know the question's going to be, well, Luke, which is it? Which do you believe? And I'm probably going to come down firmly on the side of, I don't know, you know, um, I'm not even necessarily sure there has to be a contradiction there. Um, like I think there are realms in this world, if you'll forgive the word that we do not fully understand and probably cannot fully understand. Um, what I know is I personally am fascinated by ghost stories, true ghost stories and fictional ghost stories as well. Um, I actually, um, in high school, sophomore year, oral communication, I actually gave a speech, a persuasive speech on why you should believe in ghosts. Um, and I don't know, I'm not saying that you should believe anything 15 year old me says, but where I came down in my conclusion to the speech was just, you have to admit something is there, which sounds like a huge cop out and maybe it is. But to me, there's enough people who have paranormal experiences or have had paranormal experiences who otherwise seem to be perfectly sane and well-adjusted people that I think you at least have to be open to the possibility that there's something out there that seems an awful lot like ghosts. Now, whether the ghosts that you or other people experience are disembodied souls of the dead, well, that's, I mean, that, that sort of thing is entirely a cultural interpretation. Um, and I don't think it's it's any coincidence that each culture seems to have its own conception of, about what these otherworldly things are, um, because it's one of those things that's very difficult to pin down um, with any real certainty. Um, and this is I'm starting to border on like new age woo right here. Um, so maybe I should stop there before I lose whatever little credibility I have. But (laughs) if you do like ghost stories, I have a couple I would be happy to sell you. Um, I have a novel out called Ophelia Alive. Subtitle is A Ghost Story. Um, 
it's maybe a bit more of a psychological thriller than a straight ghost story, but I would be thrilled if you picked it up. It's on Amazon. Um, I'm also writing a ghost story um, with my good friend, best-selling author, K.B. Hoyle. Um, we're at the website projectconarrative.com. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're writing it one chapter at a time. I'll write a chapter, and then she'll write a chapter, and we're doing the whole thing improv style. So... Neither one of us knows what the other is going to do, and we have wildly different uh, styles as writers, so it should be really, really interesting. You, you can read the whole thing for free as we write it at projectconarrative.com. As this podcast goes out, my first chapter should be available, and then hers will go up at the end of the month, at the end of October. Um, so yeah, by the end of the month, there'll be two chapters to read and we will spend the next year or so writing the whole thing in real time. It is free to read. Um, it's supported by a Patreon. If you, uh, support the Patreon, you can, you'll have early access to chapters and access to a podcast we're making, a newsletter, um, and eventually a print copy of the book signed by us. It'll be great. Um, so yeah, go to projectconarrative.com and check it out. I'm pretty excited about it. Um, That's it for this week. Um, I want to thank Doug Overmeyer for being on the show. He was a great guest. Really enjoyed talking to him. I want to thank Raven Creek Social Club for hosting the podcast. Be sure to check out their other podcasts at ravencreeksocialclub.com. If you want to find me on the interwebs, find me on Twitter at Luke T. Harrington, or just go to my website, which is LukeTHarrington.com. Thank you so much for listening to Changed My Mind, and don't be afraid to change your mind.